She said, come and be my hero So I'm going deco on that pussy Kick it, shoot, style, finna flick up in that pussy Got the glove on shit, plus ultra with the pussy She think I got powers, I said, nah, I'm just quirky Come and be my hero So I'm going deco on that pussy Kick it, shoot, style, finna flick up in that pussy Got the glove on shit, plus ultra with the pussy She think I got powers, I said, nah, I'm just quirky Yo, the gang cold, but I'm spitting Todoroki I make that thing talk, got it saying doki doki I'm an MC, nigga, got swag like Luffy Get the panties like Brooke, make a tune like Goofy I get bitches like I'm Kitty Toe, play it like an MMO Shorty bag, hit it, then I dash like I'm Minato Cleaning rappers up, bleach bars, that's Honichigo Tokyo, hit me if you know She said, come and be my hero So I'm going deco on that pussy Kick it, shoot, style, finna flick up in that pussy Got the glove on shit, plus ultra with the pussy She think I got pals, I said nah, I'm just quirky Come and be my hero, so I'm going deco on that pussy Kick it, shoot, style, finna flick up in that pussy Got the glove on shit, plus ultra with the pussy She think I got pals, I said nah, I'm just quirky Come and be my hero She said come and be my hero We are back again this week with the Anime Bait Podcast with your host, E. And this episode, I just want to talk about... Toxic relationships. And realizing your worth. So... I'd say... Fall 2018 when I started college. Still in my depressive mode. Going through one of my depressive patches. And I was new to college. And I didn't really know anyone besides the people from my high school that were going there. And I don't know. I met this guy. Let's call him C. I met C online on Instagram. He DM'd me after seeing one of my stories. And the red flags were there, but I chose to ignore them. Um, Like the quote says, the... Um, with rose-colored glasses, all the flags are red. See, it was a pretty cool guy. My type, dark skin, tall, athletic, funny, sweet. Um, he was love-bombing me. He was telling me all the right things I wanted to hear. He was complimenting my body. Telling me how beautiful I am, how smart I am. We would talk every day. We started off as friends. And one day, like a month or so, a month or two into it, he said, I love you. Out the blue. And it caught me off guard because we were talking every day. FaceTiming every other day. And I had grown attached to them. Like, I would get out of class and then go talk to them. When my other friends weren't talking to me, I would just have a good time talking to C. And we grew closer. We grew to know each other. Things like that. 
<laughs> but things started to change around December. We started to argue. We got into a really big argument that I can't remember anything about. And C started to do a thing where he would ghost me. He would stop talking to me for like a day or two. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to be all up on each other and talking to each other all the time. Cool, I'll just wait till he texts me back. Because I don't text him, but he won't respond. So I'll be like, I'll wait till he texts me back. He'll text me back. We'll get back to our routine, talking every day. And then he would ghost me again. Come back like a day later. What I mean, uh, and, then, and in this sense, I mean, like, he just didn't say where he was going or whatever. Or, like, why he wasn't talking to me. And uh, another thing, he was also posting on social media as well. On the same app that we were texting. We also had checked his numbers and each other's Snapchats. But he would be posting on social media when he wasn't texting me. And even though I would reach out, he still wouldn't respond back to me. But we would continue to post on social media. Fast forward a little bit more. We get to February. And it is Valentine's Day. And I get a filter. A happy Valentine's Day filter on Snapchat. And that's the only thing I heard from him that whole day. I had old niggas hit me up and say something nice. Just for the sake of saying something nice. My friends even said something nice. But my supposed man, because we never really clarified. We just kept saying, I love you, da, da, da. And we were think, making plans to like see each other and stuff like that. Oh, key part. He stayed in Atlanta and I stayed in South Carolina. About two, two, two three hours away. That's crucial. Also, he's getting ready to join the military. Um, we were the same age. I was older than him by like six months, but yeah, we were both 18. But that was another big flag in my life. And I was so hurt. I remember there was so much going on in our relationship where we just argue and it seemed like every time we got on the phone and I would question him about where he was or what things like that because I was trying to tiptoe around glass with him like I didn't want to like bring it up bring it up but at the same time I felt like it needed to be addressed like why aren't you talking to me and I know I should have been left I can say that now in hindsight, but um, he would flip out on me. He would cuss me out. We cuss each other. Then we make up, and then the ghosting kept continuing, and then. He went on a school trip, 
where he didn't want to FaceTime me. Went to the beach. He didn't want to FaceTime me. He didn't want to talk to me. But I hear on his phone, on his Instagram story in the background, I hear this girl using his phone to ask someone to go live with her from his phone. starting to get real salty and this is when things started to not add up because he it, it seemed like when he sensed I was starting to pull away that's when he would turn up the love and the affection for me and promising not to do stuff again um not to ghost me again, not to treat me bad, not to cuss at me, da da. Sorry, this story is like all over the place. I kind of like um, pushed this, repressed this all the way to the bottom of the depths of hell in my memory. <laughs> but yeah, when I heard the girl in the background on his phone, because it was a, there was no face in the camera. I took a mental note and there was a, a, a time in our relationship where I fell out of love for C and I was ready to leave but I guess he sensed that because that's when he started being his most charming lovey-dovey self the person he was when we initially started talking and at the time I was missing that version of C the person that I fell in love with so when he came back I guess figuratively um, I was very naive and I fell back in love and I stayed. There's another time where C wanted me to get online, not online, on FaceTime with him and have phone sex. Mind, yes, mind you, because we live in two different states. And I would feel very uncomfortable for that because at the time I was a virgin. Um. And I didn't really like my body like that. Which is why he was talking to me to begin with. To like me, try to make me feel more confident about myself. And try to help me through my depression. That's in his words. And. I felt so uncomfortable. But he would beg and beg and beg for me to do stuff. So I started with some small stuff on camera. And then I decided to engage in phone sex with him. I got naked, but he 
wasn't pointing the camera at himself. He pointed it up at the ceiling. And I feel like he was screen recording. Because as soon as I... Um, I was laying on my back. The phone, the phone was pointed at me, but I was laying on my back. Um, if you try to catch the position I was in, and when I got up to like look at the camera, his camera moved so fast, and then I went on pause with him. He was still talking. I just went on pause with him. Well, he put me on pause, and I was like, mm, "That's kind of weird." And eventually the texting kind of slowed down. Well, I felt like I had to double text, triple text, quadruple text, whatever, and keep reaching out to him, keep reaching out to him, keep reaching out to him. And he wasn't responding back to me. And I went on a mission trip with my school um, just because I just wanted to do some service for spring break. And I would notice he wouldn't contact me. Even though I told him I was going that time, he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't reach out to me, and I would get so sad. Even though I was having fun with my friends, and I would get so sad, and I would go through the whole day kind of moping around. Then you text me like like seven something at night or whatever, and then I I be happy because she's finally talking to me, and then see mentioned something about my weight, so I was showing him a body picture. I took because I went on a trip with my friend to the to the beach. So I took a picture of me in my swimsuit, four C. And all he could say was, "You look like you're getting slim." Even though I'm a big girl, at the time I was like two, two something. I know I had. I think I was 220-something. Because I was 240 when we started dating. And I used to be so stressed and whatever that I lost, like, 12 pounds. Like, really fast. Because I, w- I would go to school and I'd probably eat, like, breakfast. And I wouldn't eat for the rest of the day. I would go to my class and be there 10 minutes late. And I would look into the classroom Doors wide open for me to come in because my t- my professor professor allowed the students to come in late, and I would look in there, and I'd walk back out and go back home. I got maybe got some food, but I got back in my bed and I cried and I stayed there all day long. Cried all the time. I'll be begging God, trying to figure out why this man doesn't love me. Like he said he loved me. Why was he saying these hurtful things to me? 
Um, why was he ghosting me as much as someone does? Then I guess the straw that broke the camel's back is he lied to me about something. And I flipped out. And I know you're thinking like, well, why would one lie out of everything you just named make you flip out? Because I found out about this lie after I went on a trip. And I saw him, he would post on his story questions, oh yes, and he would be engaging with women. Like he was spying back women. And he told this girl that, oh, she she must be a freak because I signed. Oh, you, you so freaky, da 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 da. Or, um, a girl would be flirting with him and he'd be flirting back on the story. And then I, and he knew I was seeing it because I was in his views and I was texting him about it and he wouldn't respond back to me. So when I found out about the lie, I flipped out on his ass. Rightfully so. I should have just left without saying anything. I should have just blocked him and moved on with my life. But. I'm cussing him out. I'm going in on his ass. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this shit. And then he texts me back basically, oh, leave me like everybody else has left me. Basically trying to play the victim in that situation, even though he was the one doing me wrong. And I had to block him. I was tired of crying all the time. I was tired of being hurt. And then it got to a point that it was affecting my grades. And by the grace of God, I had some great friends in the class. Because my grades was plummeting in that one class. By the grace of God, I had a great friend that helped me get through that semester by um, studying with me and teaching me stuff that I missed because I wasn't in class and and everything. Bless her. <laughs> for helping me pass that class. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten to the College of Nursing. And all this for someone that I was planning to meet up with. Another key part of the story. I know know I'm not telling this story in order. I had went to Atlanta for the Baltimore Ravens game against the Falcons. Cool. I went there, and I was like, I was with my homegirl and some other people from school, and dude was like, oh, I'll just see you later. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm in Atlanta. You know, what's up? You've been talking about we need to see each other. Heard crickets. Crickets from him didn't want to meet up. I'm like, hey, I'm in Atlanta. I'm like, what's up? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Didn't hear shit else from him. We talked a little bit and he was talking about the game. Was a, but when I brought up seeing him, Crickets. 
And then when I talked about it, he was like, well, let's wait till I get back from basic to, and basic and some other training that you had to do for the military, which was, well, this discussion was like March, April of 2019. He wasn't going to be back until December that year. And I had already made plans to go visit him and, oh, <laughs> Y'all gonna be like, you a dumb bitch, but <laughs> I was gonna transfer to schools to go to Kennesaw State. Not just because I want to see him and it would be closer to him, but because I also like their school and they had a great nursing program as well. And I was like, damn. After we broke up and I broke up with him and I blocked him, I was like, damn. I really let this nigga fuck my head up. I really let this person determine my value in my own life. Damn, I really gave this nigga that much power and I'm in a whole nother league from him. Now this was after the second dumb bitch move I did. I had a male friend at the time. After I broke up with C called this one M. Me and M have like a weird history where me and him used to talk back in high school. Things didn't work out. He tried to play me then. So I was like, okay, we well, can keep recording on me, friends. Even though you tried to play me. Well, he did play me. And he played my ass again. <laughs> um, I would confide in M because I was like, I need a man's perspective. Blah, 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 blah. I'm talking to him. And he's like, you're so beautiful. You don't deserve that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, the, you know, nigga gassing my head up and shit. But I'm like in a very vulnerable state of mind that I just need someone to talk to. And me being naive, he was like, okay, I know it can take things off your mind. And I was like, okay, I mean... Whatever floated your boat. So, I went to go see him. Well, he picked me up. Went back to his house. We had oral, oral sex. My first sexual experience. Oral sex. First time. Came back home. He went to see me again like a few days later. And I wasn't comfortable with giving him my virginity even though I know a virginity is a social construct or whatever I just didn't feel comfortable sharing that piece of myself that I still had at the time with someone who I know didn't really care for me like that you know he didn't really have my best interest at heart and I didn't want my first time to be with someone who didn't give a fuck about me for real and I knew he was using me, so I was like, I'm not really about to let you be the first one to take that from me, because if I'm in a vulnerable state like this right now, and I know you're using me, and I, you know I'm hurting right now, I'm really going to be hurt when you fuck me and you leave. So let's just keep it oral, let's just keep it on the playground, let's keep it casual. But, um... Well, being homeless in high school or whatever, 
I really valued education, trying to learn more about the world around me. And at the time, I questioned a lot of things like my faith, um, myself, my abilities to perform in this world and be a productive member of society, um, my circumstances and how I got to be in that position in the first place. I just questioned every and anything around me, including things I was taught in school, just how true is this stuff and how much do they want me to know and how much I really know and what should be important. And even though I was going through a lot and I tend to make jokes, my coping mechanism of choice I was really going hard in the paint in school. And I was doing so well. Well enough to the point that I had multiple scholarships from different schools. And I chose a school that was close to home just because I didn't want to be too far away from home in case something happens. But knowing what I know now, I would move to another school or somewhere else just to learn more about myself. But also, at the same time, in the circumstances I was in, I didn't have my own car until I was 19. Yeah, it was the summer after I graduated from high school. Not the summer immediately after, but the next one, the year after. I didn't get my car until then. I didn't get my first job until then. And I know a lot of you are like, well, why did you get your first job at 19? But I chose not to work during high school just because there was only one car in the yard. And my mom was already working long 12-hour shifts and trying to provide for me and herself as is. And I didn't want to bother her, and I didn't want anybody to come pick me up and I have to pay them gas back, and and I wouldn't be making as much doing like McDonald's or Burger King or whatever in my house to sustain anything, and it sure wasn't going to be enough to uh, buy a car, especially with senior year and everything approaching when I was in high school. And paying for those expenses and applying to colleges and stuff like that. I, I really had to like let a lot of stuff go just to um, focus on my end goal or what is important. And right now in my life, as I turn 22 on April 4th, I realize I lacked some of the discipline I had back in high school. But at the same time, I feel like I only had that discipline back then because there was no other option. There was nothing else for me to do but do what I needed to do. I knew it was going to get me out of my situation. I knew it was going to help my family and get, you know, so get me to a place where I didn't have to burden them financially any more than we were already financially burdened. So I had to pass up on a lot of things. 
and stay out of a lot of trouble because I knew I had a lot on the line. I had a lot to lose. So I put myself in a position to win. And even through college, I feel like I work a lot. I work so hard that I burned out rather quickly and it showed, especially when the pandemic hit my sophomore year, the end of my sophomore year when we had to go home. And I was home and I was drowning because I didn't know how to study at home. And and I'm thinking, we're going home for spring break. Okay, we're going to come back. And we, and we didn't until the following semester when they were letting more people come on campus, but still hybrid classes. And then I'm at home and I can't study because I get distracted. And I'm alone with my thoughts instead of having to go, 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 do, do, do. And um, yeah, I really had a had a time that semester. Um, I had a um, an unaliving attempt that semester. I believe it was April 30th, um, 2020, where I slipped into a dark space and I had some sort of a psychotic breakdown in my kitchen um, where I pulled out a butcher knife and, uh, and I was just spiraling. My mind was completely I don't I don't want to say that it was gone, but I was just in a space where I was in a space where everything that I've swept under the rug mentally just came to a head and the time that I spent running away from my demons was up (laughs) and I had to face them and they were loud bitch (laughs) very loud and uh, in that I knew it was time to get help and I got hospitalized for like a couple hours and then my whole family knew and then people outside my family knew and and I and if you know me you know I don't like to have my business out there in the street and when people from everywhere found out it kind of pissed me off because for one I live in the south and these Southern Baptist black folk do not believe that black people can have mental illness. And I had to deal with coming to terms with my own um, illness. 
and issues while also steadily trying to defend myself against people who know nothing other about me than I had a psychotic breakdown. And the labeling and the way people would try to paint me out like I'm crazy and, and try to discredit all of my accomplishments and, the, and for my otherwise clean record of trying to make it clean so I can make it in society to to not disappoint my family. And in the end, I, I disappointed them by making them look bad because I've been carrying the weight of everything that I've been through since I was 11 years old and having to hold on to that and harbor all that and also try to be the strong person that everybody knows and try to raise myself and, and deal with my own demons and try to help other people through their demons and be this kid that is on the honor roll, the good kid, the quiet kid. And now, with a squeaky clean record, um, they can use, they can weaponize my own insecurities against me in the most vicious way possible and trying to prove that you're not crazy after having a psychotic breakdown is the most slipperiest slope I've ever been through and trying to maintain the image like you know I'm the good kid from four right I'm the good kid I'm the strong kid I'm the girl in college huh? The good child. The one who works hard. The, the, the funny one. The, the, the. Trying to get back to that image. It was like putting on the mask after it fell off. And it's like everyone sees the real you. And it feels like how you thought it would feel like when you had the mask on and when people get to see the real you that they don't like you and they won't like you. So you have to pretend to be something else to make them like you. Hell, even make them love you. And with me struggling to put a mask back on that didn't fit, I learned something about myself. I learned that I did not need the validation from these people because they're going to talk anyway. There you were talking about me like a dog before the breakdown and, and after they sure as hell was. Even when I was in my goody-two-shoes phase of my life, people still treated me, some people still treated me like, like shit. And I realized it was not a reflection of my character. 
but more a reflection of theirs. Because it seemed like no matter what I did, I couldn't please anybody. And that is the most heartbreaking feeling ever. And but it's also the most freeing feeling ever when you realize your power and you come into your own and you start to love yourself and it feels like a rebirth, a rebrand, another opportunity to be yourself and be who you are and living your truth and I know that sounds very corny but I just want to implore everybody that feels like they can't accomplish their dreams because of what other people may say, what other people may think. At the end of the day, they're not living your life and you can waste your time missing out on opportunities. Um, that are meant for you, for people that it ain't meant for, but when they die, then you, you've lived most of your life and you missed out on so much because you cared about what other people thought. And I realized my discipline now should look different. It should look more tailored to addressing my needs when it's time to rest, when it's time to work. Um, I'm very heavy on what do I need right now and and very heavy on, okay, well, this is where you want to be? Okay, now how are we going to get there? And just trying to and take every second of the day to figure out how to be a better person each day and what's going to bring me closer to the end goal and I hope that one day I don't regret starting this podcast Um, and I really feel like I would regret not starting the podcast I don't know if that makes sense and I feel like this podcast is, is somewhat therapeutic to like get all the dots off my chest and come talk to whoever's listening in a safe space and just talk about things like not just about the anime but like real shit like I, I don't know <laughs> I think of this podcast as like my diary and a new project and new baby to raise to grow and develop into something more beautiful than I ever thought it could be and it just feels so good to be able to say these thoughts that have been circling in my head and like you know out loud it's like catching lightning in a bottle. And it's, it's just always nice to have that type of outlet and that type of 
safe space. So, I'll leave you to it till next week. We'll be back again with the Anime Bay Podcast. This has been just a short little rant about my life and some type of life messages as a 21-year-old, soon-to-be 22-year-old. And, yeah. (laughs) Thank you.